Understanding the Masculine Way, Episode 31. Welcome to the Awaken You podcast, where we break down relationship barriers by awakening your true you. I'm Coach Christine, and the two of us will be doing this work together because this process isn't about changing your partner. It's about discovering who you are so you can awaken you in your marriage. Welcome back to another week on the Awaken You in Your Marriage podcast. This week and next week, I am going to be doing something a little different. I'm going to be sharing some insights that I have gleaned from two chapters of David Dita's book, Intimate Communion. This book has been pretty amazing, and it is actually a read that I include in my program that I suggest my clients to read as they go through the program. This week, we're going to look at chapter eight, which is titled The Masculine Way, and then come back next week to hear insights that I captured from chapter nine, The Feminine Way. Even better, I want to share another suggestion which is to grab the book yourself, read chapter nine, please just read chapter nine. And then here's why you can join the discussion next week on Thursday evening, 5 p.m. Central Standard Time and talk about that chapter. We had a great discussion of chapter eight last week, and I am so looking forward to this week's discussion and sharing what we learned because this week's discussion is about the feminine way. If you're interested in joining us, you can go into the show notes, follow the link and get yourself registered. Remember that that link will only be valid for a couple days after this episode is launched. For those of you who may be wondering why these two chapters, why not a full book discussion? And why wouldn't you start with chapter one? Well, to start, one of my favorite coaches, Amy Gianni, changed the way I read books. She gave me permission to start anywhere in a book. Now, of course, this wouldn't apply to fiction. I don't read fiction that often. I have too many other books that are in the lineup of the next to read. Sometimes I read fiction and those I start from the beginning. But she gave me permission to start anywhere in the book with a chapter that seemed the most intriguing or the one that seemed to apply to what I was learning in the moment and to read only what I choose to read and in any order I choose. It was so liberating to actually to be given that permission. Not that I didn't know I could do that, but well, maybe as one of those perfectionists is like, I have to read from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I have to even read the all the stuff in the beginning that isn't really necessary. But when I discovered this book, Intimate Communion, it 
happened, I discovered it around a conversation where we were talking about the difference between masculine and feminine energy. And I was so intrigued by the way it was explained. And I wanted to learn more about how I might be utilizing each. And my intuition before I really knew much about it was that I was probably overusing my masculine energy It totally made sense when I looked back at my life. And so I wanted to really learn if I was using them in a way that was working for me. To my surprise, not only, and I shouldn't be surprised by this anymore, but not only did I learn a whole lot about myself, I actually got an amazing affirmation about what my Awaken You program is designed to accomplish. But it also shed a very bright spotlight on my husband in a good way because it allowed me to reach another level of understanding around who he is, why he does some of the things he does. And then, of course, that allows us, him and I, to create a more connected and inspiring relationship. As in all of the work I do with my clients, I apply it to myself first. I see how it manifests in myself and in my relationship with Jeff, and then I bring it to you. What I learn gets brought into my Awaken You program so that my clients have more ways of looking at themselves and their partners. Because We've all experienced this. There's this certain concept that we learn about. Maybe it doesn't land like, oh, I think I get it. doesn't land all that well. And then as you keep moving forward and listening to different teachings around the topic, all of a sudden it seems to land just right the way somebody says it to you, the way somebody presents it to you. And I believe part of that is that you have been working on figuring that piece out, that information out, that awareness. Then somebody says it in a certain way, presents it in a certain way, and then it just clicks. You're like, oh. And I'm going to admit that this concept, some of it, seems very easy, but then some of it, I'm not fully comprehending it. And that is why I'm, I've am i read it. I share it with my clients. I'm doing a podcast on it. I did a discussion because the more I repeat it and the more I look at it, the deeper my understanding becomes and the better I can share it and teach it. So today I'm going to share my top insights from what Dita shares about the masculine way so that you might have a better insight into yourself and your partner, allowing you to grow personally and together. These two chapters did way more than help me see how I'm abusing my masculine energy while squashing my feminine energy and why I was doing that. It gave me a new perspective on how We are depolarizing our relationships, meaning doing the exact opposite of what we want. It helped me 
to better understand how my husband shows up in our relationship and why, which creates more empathy for me, right? Now, you do not need to share this with your partner, but maybe you will. It might be a fun thing to read together. Jeff and I have not read it together yet, but I am planning on talking to him about it this weekend, actually. I'll let you know how that goes. The fun thing about these two chapters is that each one discusses both the masculine and the feminine in a way that is a comparative sort of way. So when you're reading chapter eight, the masculine way, he brings in a lot of the feminine way so that you can compare them. And he does the same in the chapter nine, the feminine way. He talks about some of the masculine in relation to what he's talking about with the feminine. Each of us, male, female, men, women, we have a mixture of masculine and feminine energy. So just to know that we're not all masculine or all feminine. And honestly, if we were, it would actually hurt us. Like I recognize if I'm too much in my feminine energy, I'm not getting things done. Does that make sense? And if it doesn't make sense, you'll it will make more sense by the end of this when I share. So let's dig in and find out some more. First, let's look at the masculine way versus the feminine way. The masculine essence gives priority to life direction. Does that make sense? I mean, we kind of already know that. We talk about men working in compartments. They do one thing at a time and then move on to the next. So the masculine essence is moved primarily by his or her life mission. It is the most important thing in their life. All right. And to recognize that it doesn't mean that their partner is not important to them. It means that for them to have a great relationship with their partner, they're really focused on that life mission. That means the ultimate to them. Whereas the feminine essence gives priority to that intimate relationship. It is moved by his or her emotions in an intimate relationship. And I think that you will all grasp that and understand that. And remember, all of this is coming straight from chapter eight in the book in David Dita's Intimate Communion. The masculine's waking state is modal. All right, so like the compartments, they are in, you know, the hockey mode or the work mode the driving the car mode, the mowing the grass mode, or the intimacy mode. They focus on the one mode they are in. And the more masculine, the more focused they are in their modes, all right? So maybe you can identify with the man who's watching the game and has no clue what you just said. It is not because they're intentionally ignoring you. They are just hyper-focused on what is in front of them. Whereas the feminine, we're not so rigid. The feminine attention is fluid. The person with a more feminine essence flows between different activities, such as the garden, chatting with a friend, planning an outing, all in the same moment. Masculine 
is looking for trouble, but not in a bad way, okay? When I first read that, I was like, hmm. But they're looking for trouble in a good way. They're looking for a problem, and then they're going to the work of attempting to fix it. And, of course, this includes their partner. So when they see their partner disturbed, they want to fix it. What's wrong? What can I do to help? Sound familiar? Masculine seeks relief. When things appear to not be working in their eyes or they don't know how they can fix it, it seeks freedom. He wants out. When the masculine is in a bad mood, he tends to feel trapped by life and his relationship. So just as the feminine who is in a bad mood, she often feels unloved by the masculine. Can you identify the masculine though will always tend to feel burdened and constrained when in a bad mood. I don't know, but for me, I don't know about you, but for me, this creates a whole new level of understanding and empathy, like I said, because now I don't I don't need to take it personally, okay? And though I was working on that, sometimes we still take it personally and then we have to go process it, but this brings some understanding and awareness to it. The masculine likes the edge. They come alive when challenged. This brought some clear awareness to me as well. This is why the masculine tends to be super competitive. And it's not because they're wanting to beat you. It's because that's where they come alive, seeking that win, the edge. They tend to like to watch sporting events or action movies. This is why. Not because, again, they're, they're trying to prove themselves or because they love violence, but because they come alive during these challenges. Dita talks about sexual polarity throughout the book and how one will always attract your sexual reciprocal. When you begin to understand the masculine and feminine ways, you might see that you're squelching your dominant energy. Like I said, for me, I noticed I was squelching my feminine energy. And this could be why you're feeling like something is missing in your relationship. It could be that both of you are squashing your masculine or your feminine energies. And so you're kind of showing up with weak energies and your partner is matching your energy so that polarity is weak versus if you're both in the power of your dominant energy, that polarity, there's a strong attraction like the magnet that just like pulls itself together and connects. That's when that connection becomes so magnetic, as they would say. Dita talks about three stages of directionality within a relationship and that when the partner that is playing the masculine pole in an intimate relationship doesn't fully animate the native directionality of the masculine, the more feminine partner starts to lose trust while the passion in their intimacy diminishes. So let's look at the 
what he calls the three stages of directionality, which are a dependent relationship, a 50-50 relationship, and then what he calls intimate communion. So the first stage, that dependent relationship, is often expressed as a financial quest. And some of these you might start to recognize in your partner. The more masculine partner is expected to provide, and it might not be said like out loud, but it's just how you're both feeling. And in this dependence relationship, the more feminine partner may feel like her partner is always depending on her to be nurturing and sexy, while the masculine may feel like his partner depends on him to be successful and strong. In this stage, each may rely on the other for sex or money because neither of them are yet whole in themselves. In this stage, the masculine essence transcends life, avoiding emotions while attempting to stand above their partner. He isn't interested in getting involved. He'd rather watch TV or work on the car rather than talk with their partner. They'd rather enjoy the perfection of the perfect shot into the goal net than the imperfect area of relationship, emotions, and life. In this stage, the masculine attempts to find freedom through looking outward and obtaining a financial edge. That's their their security, their elusive security, right? The object in this stage is to be the winner rather than the loser. And then he talks about the second stage directionality, which is the 50-50 relationship. And this stage is where each partner pushes away from depending on each other and they become like two whole and independent people. At this stage, the masculine actually becomes a bit more creative and they may still provide that stable income while knowing how to create a great life. They start to desire to improve the quality of their life in more diverse ways. They maybe start getting involved in the community. They expand their intellectual horizons. Their political and spiritual life starts to expand. In this stage, the emphasis is on getting better rather than getting more. The masculine in the second stage now transcends life by worshiping the mind. He enjoys thinking about things as if life could be answered through their mind. This stage enjoys intellectual conversation, loves good art, and a fine bottle of wine. Sounds good, huh? In this stage, the masculine seeks freedom by turning inward and attempting to master his psychological edges, his fears, and his demon. The object in this stage is to emerge as the master of their own life. And then the third stage directionality, which is intimate communion. In this stage, all of that, which is included in the second stage, is still important. It's like it builds upon each other. But even more important is their ability to practice a spiritual maturity instead of a physical, financial, and creative maturity. Dita describes the masculine in the intimate communion stage as valued for his ability to bloom in any given moment into love, 
even in the most difficult of moments. This third stage masculine transcends life by realizing his true nature as well as the true nature of life itself. He may work to improve his relationship, yet in the moment-to-moment practice of life, recognizes life's inherent perfection, not in the details, but in the perfect witness of life itself, consciousness. Now, you need to rewind and listen to that one again. I would say it again, but I won't. Just click the rewind. In this last stage, he realizes that edge is an illusion, that he is an illusion. His edge in this stage is the practice of this realization, the moment-to-moment recognition that his essential fear, which is death, is based on a false presumption, that he is a separate something that can die. Here, you are not struggling to be victorious over an outer opponent or an inner demon. You are struggling with your own illusion that you can be victorious. The The other thing I want to throw in here is Dita talks about the midlife crisis, the man's midlife crisis, and he talks about a masculine's need to periodically declutter their life from authentic burdens. In this chapter, Dita talks about a masculine's need to periodically declutter their life from unauthentic burdens, obligations, habits, and then rediscover their true being, which they've lost touch with. They've been focusing maybe on their career, and they've lost touch with their purpose. Often, he says that this is discovered in solitude. It is about letting go of everything old, rediscovering that true purpose, and then coming back into the world to re-engage their relationships in a new and refreshing way. He attributes this midlife crisis to the truth that our culture doesn't really allow people to do these sorts of escapes. So instead, it often plays out in that midlife crisis scenario that we're so familiar with. So what he says, if we embraced this ability to check out for a little bit, go to somewhere quiet, and let go of the old, kind of untangle the the ball of yarn that has become their life and really rediscover their true self, kind of what we do in Awaken You. Uh, not kind of, exactly what we do in Awaken You. And that might be something in the future. Maybe we go away to somewhere quiet as a group of women and do that work. It's definitely something in my future goal. So when the masculine reaches intimate communion, he realizes that no matter whether he succeeds or fails in life, he is free and that his true nature is freedom. How awesome is that? As the masculine struggles to find freedom, the feminine struggles to find love. And this is going to be our discussion next week. Moving through the three stages of the feminine, looking to find love is what Awaken You is all about. And it gave me such great joy to discover the premise of my program validated in David Dita's Three Stages of the Feminine Looking for Love. I hope that you will join me and please 
Do not forget to sign up for the discussion that's coming up on this coming Thursday where we're going to discuss chapter nine, the next chapter, The Feminine Way. I love you all. It's been great to be with you. Let me hear all of your thoughts after you read chapter eight. Thank you for listening to the Awaken You podcast. If you enjoyed listening, then you have to go check out Awaken You, my one-on-one coaching program where we take all of this material and we apply it to your life. We study it and we take it to your next level so that you can awaken you in your marriage. For any questions, comments, or coaching issues you'd like to hear on the podcast, please visit me on my website and together let's awaken you. 